you have your Bibles with you, I want to turn to the book of uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4. We're going to continue our series entitled, What Do You Value? What do you value? We're getting into various areas here in our five-week series of, of things that we need to value. And we know that there's many more than just five. Uh, but we hopefully, uh, hope to cover a wide array of things, amen, that God wants to remind us that we need to value in our lives. Those things that matter. And so our series verse is found in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 8, where Paul says these words, and he says, For physical training is of some value. He says, But godliness has value for all things holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. Let's pray this evening. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this beautiful day that you have made. Lord, we thank you, Father God, for that we are privileged to be able to gather in your house. Lord God, to worship you and to receive your word that you have for us tonight. Help us to not only be hearers, but doers of your word. And in that, we will see your blessings. Father, we thank you. We give you all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. The church says, amen and amen. And Paul says it's nice to, to value the physical training, he says, but he says what we need to value more is godliness. Turn to your neighbor and tell him you need to value godliness. And he says this, he says, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. He said, because living a life of godliness, if you value godliness, not only is it going to bless you now, but it's going to bless you for eternity. There's many things that we can put value on here on earth, but you can't take those things with you. And so God wants to make sure that we have our priorities right and that we are focusing on those things, amen, that matter, that truly matter. We're going to be looking at one of them tonight as we continue our series, and we're going to be looking at prayer. Say it with me, value prayer. Amen. You need to value prayer. The greatest use of our words is in prayer. Do you believe that? The greatest use of your words are going to be in prayer. You see, we learn to pray by praying. This is how you learn to pray, by praying, by starting, by actually doing it. You learn it. And you will, you, will see, you will see effective prayer in your life. You will see fervent prayer taking place in your prayer life. You see, if the, if the enemy can't make you do bad, he's going to make you busy. This is what he does. He makes, you, he makes you busy so that you don't have time to pray. So that you don't have time to seek God which we're going to get into tonight on all the important things that God does in our lives through 
prayer and those things that the enemy does not want to see take place in yours and mine's life. We know that in this day, we find so many things that keep us busy, don't we? We don't even have to look for them. They find us, it seems like. Things take place that are unexpected, and it keeps us busy. And before you know it, we went a whole day without seeking the Lord, without talking to Him, without communicating with Him, without sharing with Him your, your cares and your concerns. Too busy to stop and talk with God. You see, church, we don't want to become a church that is over-preached and under-prayed. We don't want to become that church. This is why we have prayer before every one of our services. Why? Because we want to value prayer. We want to be a church that values communication with God. We understand that before we start any service, we need to get a hold of God. Amen? Before, before we go into worship, amen, the worship starts before that in the prayer room. Why? Because we value it. Because we know how important it is for you and I. Value prayer. I want to look at some points here. In our lives and the importance of prayer why you and I need to be consistent in our prayer life number one I want you to write this down number one is that prayer can set or change the tone of your day I want to ask you this question tonight what sets the tone of your day currently right now what is it? Think about it. What is it that sets the tone for your day? Is it the long commute of traffic to work? Is that long commute setting your day? Is the, is the overflowing dishes in your sink setting the, setting the tone for your day? Is it, is it your, 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 your kids throwing tantrums in the morning? Is that setting the tone for your day? Is it that mailbox full of bills that you just don't like looking at? Is that setting the tone for your day? You have to think about this. What is it? What is it that gets me rolling? What is it that sets the tone for my day? Is it prayer? Because I tell you right now, if you let that, that sigiler on the freeway set the tone for your day, you're going to be in trouble. You're going to be in trouble. If you let those, 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 those bills that just keep piling up to set the tone for your day, you're going to be miserable. You're going you're gonna to tell everyone off that day. You're not going to be, you will not be fun to hang around because all that's going to come out of your mouth is negative words. Why? Because of what you allowed to set the tone for your day. 
See, you and I need to start our day in prayer. We need to. Why? Because it's going to help you to get your mind in the right place. Take your mind off of the busyness. Take your mind off of the things that need to be done, and you need to seek God first. Take your mind off of the to-do list that you have for that day, and you say, no, the first thing I need to do is seek God. We need to set our minds on the goodness of God. James 5.16, the Bible says this, and it says the earnest prayer of a righteous man has great power, say it with me, great power, and wonderful results, say it, wonderful results. Mm. That's what your prayer has. That's the power in your prayer, church. The Bible says that it has great power and it has wonderful results. How many of you got wonderful results from stressing? No one here. I think about that song that we sing, and I'm, I'm glad that we brought this one back. When I think about the Lord, oh man, that one that one takes me back to when I was a, to when I was just a little tyke. You know, back in back in Sunday school, hearing that song sung. When I think about the Lord, oh, the song says how He saved me, how He raised me, how He filled me with the Holy Ghost. Oh, man. It says how he healed me to the uttermost. Oh, man, can you imagine if you started every day with that song? Can you imagine if, if, if when you woke up, you, you hit play on your phone after, after you know, you, 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 you know, smacked the alarm a few times, the snooze button. When you finally woke up, you played When I Think About the Lord. And you let those words set the tone for your day. And you set your mind on the goodness of God. Can you imagine how your day is going to go? I'll tell you right now, it's going to be wonderful. It's going to be wonderful. You're going to see wonderful results. The song says how he picked me up and he turned me around. It says how he placed my feet on solid ground. How many of you think about that? Of how the Lord saved you? Of how he raised you? He raised you up. How he filled you with the Holy Ghost. You're not the same person anymore. You're not saying the same things. You're not thinking the same way. Amen? You are, you, you are responding differently to situations in your life. How he healed you to the uttermost. Think about how you were before Christ. You were messed up. You were messed up. You were in need of a great physician. And that's exactly who Christ is. And the song says, when I think about all these things, when I think about all these things that God has done for me, that I have now in Jesus Christ, 
The song says, it makes me want to shout. It makes me want to shout, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. See, because that's what, that's what setting your mind on, on the goodness of God does in your life. I'll tell you right now, you wake up and you set your mind on the goodness of God and you sing that song when you wake up and you worship him, I guarantee you, you will be shouting hallelujah. You will be shouting thank you, Jesus. Your neighbors are going to think, what's going on in that house? (laughs) What's wrong with them? Oh, man. That is someone who is excited about what God is going to do in their day. That's someone who's excited about what God has done in their life. That's a grateful person right there. That's a thankful person who says, God, I, I love you so much, and I'm so thankful for all that you have done in my life and all that you are going to continue to do. Lord, I am looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to being at service tonight. That's the way you need to walk in these doors, church. You need to be excited. When you go to an outreach, you need to be excited. Oh, it's 95 degrees out there, and they want me to walk and pass out flyers? Yes, because someone needs to know about Jesus. Someone needs to know what you have. They're waiting for you. All those years of you serving God are for that moment for you to share what God has done in your life to someone who is hurting, to someone who is lost, to someone who is on their way to hell. You need to be excited. See, all this takes place through prayer. I think about our prayer service on Wednesdays that we just had at 6 p.m. After a long day at work, we come into the house of the Lord. We enter into his praise with your brothers and sisters in the Lord. You come in here and you begin to seek God and you begin to pray and everything begins to change. You begin, your focus is taken off of all the things that took place in your day. And now God changes, God changes the tone of your day. And he changes your your perspective. He changes your mind. And he causes you to dwell on him. As you walk through these doors, you set your mind on Christ. You set your mind on what he's done for you. You say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you have given to me, for all that you've blessed me with, for the privilege to even be here tonight in the house of the Lord. You could be on the streets with no place to live, with 
with, with no one that says it's good to see you. But instead, they want to stay away from you. And you walk into the church, and no one's running from you. They're, they're, they're going toward you. And they're welcoming you with loving arms, and they're saying, oh, it is so good that you are here tonight. They hold signs that say, you are looking good. That's got to encourage anybody. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. That's right. See, prayer changes things. Not only does prayer set or change the tone of your day, but obviously prayer is effective. Turn your Bibles with me to Exodus chapter 32. Exodus 32. We find here in the Bible, Moses is on Mount Sinai with the Lord. And you have the Israelites down the mountain growing very impatient because Moses has been gone for quite a while. So the Israelites and all of their foolishness that we read about in the Bible. They say, you know what? We need a leader here. We need, we need something to worship. So they had this great idea to melt their gold jewelry. And out of that melting pot of gold, what they created was a golden calf. And they began to worship this golden calf. Moses is up there on Mount Sinai with the Lord, and we read here in verse 7 of Exodus 32. It says, And the Lord said to Moses, He said, Go, get down. He says, for your people whom you brought out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the land which I commanded them. And they have made themselves a molded calf and worshipped it and sacrificed to it. And said, this is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. They were giving credit to this golden calf for them being delivered from Egypt. Verse 9 says, And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, and indeed it is a stiff-necked people. Now therefore, let me alone, that my wrath may burn hot against them, and I may consume them. And I will make you, and I will make of you a great nation. Then Moses, in verse 11, pleaded with the Lord his God and said, Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people, whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians speak and say, He brought them out to harm them? to kill them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth. Turn from your fierce wrath and relent from this harm 
to your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, to whom you swore by your own self and said to them, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven, and all this land that I have spoken of you I give to your descendants, and they shall inherit it forever. Verse 14 says, And so the Lord relented from the harm which he said he would do to his people. Now I want to focus on some key points here in this verse. Number one, and I want you to write this down, is that the Bible says that God relented. Other translations say that he changed his mind. See, but I want you to understand this, is that God didn't change his mind in the same way that a parent changes their mind when it comes to maybe disciplining their children. You see, what God did was God changed his behavior, get this, to remain consistent with his nature. Now, I want you to grasp this. Because when God first wanted to destroy the children of Israel because they were worshiping a golden calf they made, what was that showing? It was showing God's justice. God was being consistent with his justice. However, when Moses interceded for the people, God relented in order to remain consistent in his mercy. You need to understand that. You see, God is a God of justice. But God is also a God of mercy. And so we see here in this verse, as Moses pleaded with the Lord, and he said, Lord, please don't wipe them out. Lord, have mercy on them. I plead. And what did God do? God was consistent with his nature of being merciful. See, God knew what the Israelites were going to do. Nothing surprised him. God knew that they were going to make this golden calf because God knows the future. But yet, yet, even though he knew what they were going to do, he still previously delivered them from Egypt. Think about that. That's the mercy of God. That's the love of God, church. Because people can say, oh, God is so mean. I think he likes to see us suffer. No, he doesn't. Many things we bring upon ourselves. Because we want to do things our way. We want to we see things our way. But God says, no, I am merciful. All the things that I've spared you from, all the things that I've delivered you from, I'm merciful. You need to see this. Because my justice should have had you killed, children of Israel. 
but my mercy has allowed you to live. Another point in that verse is that God could have struck them down immediately. When he knew what they were doing off the mountain, he could have said, you know what? Off with them. And they all would have just dropped dead. He could have did that. But instead, he showed mercy. And he also gave Moses an opportunity. An opportunity for what? An opportunity to pray. God presented Moses with what the children of Israel were doing. God didn't have to tell him. He didn't have to tell Moses what was happening down off the mountain. God could have just had his justice and did his thing, but yet he told Moses. He gave Moses an opportunity to intercede for them. Thank God that he is merciful, church. You, you and I are here today because God is merciful. We should have been dead in our sin. That's the truth. We don't deserve any of this. We were doing things our way, and rightly so. We should have, we should have uh, uh, had to suffer the consequences of doing that, of our rebellion, but God is merciful. There's no mistaking. An opportunity to intercede for the children of Israel. You know what I'm talking about because many, many of you here are here because someone interceded for you in prayer. I know, I know I had, I know I had a praying mom, still have a praying mom. That prayed me, that prayed me, not, not only brought me to church, but prayed me into loving the things of God. That I would develop my own relationship with God. Why? Because of prayer. Maybe you had a praying mother, a praying father, a praying grandmother, a praying grandfather, whoever it was that was interceding for you. And they didn't stop. You're here because they didn't stop. Church, church, you need to run with that. If you saw that take place in your life, you need to pray for someone else. You need to make sure that you are praying for, an, for the unbeliever to come into the house of the Lord and to receive salvation. Pray for that prodigal child to come back. Pray over their lives. God, don't let them die in their sin. God's word says, seek me and you will find me. How many of you believe that? You see God and you will find him. There's no mistaking that God's word is truth. Another point in this is that Moses used the word of God. When he, when he pleaded with the Lord, he used, he used God's word. Back from Genesis. 
when he said these words. And he says, he, says, uh, uh, he, he reminds God of his word. And he says, uh, he says, remember, Lord, when you said, I will multiply, when, when you said to Abraham, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven, and all this land that I have spoken of, I give to your descendants, and they shall inherit it forever. He used God's word. Church, you and I, if we are to experience effective, fervent prayer in our lives, we need to use God's word. You need to know God's word. How many of you ever, and remember, we're in church, all right? How many of you ever fell asleep while you were praying? Don't worry. The Bible says that Peter, James, and John did too. And they were with Jesus, like in the flesh. I'm sure it's happened to many of us. See, what, what the enemy would want us to do is to, is to pray repetitious prayers. And please hear me out on this. Because I don't, I, don't mean, I don't mean fervent, meaning like, you know, coming back to the Lord and coming back to the Lord and coming back to the Lord, you know, consistent prayer. I mean repetitious prayer. Repetitious prayer to where maybe your kids can recite what you're even going to pray. Because they've heard it so many times the same way over and over and over and over again. But what happens with repetition you become bored. Think about your jobs. When you work the same job for, you know, now it seems like a lot less that people get really bored. You know, like, like, like their attention span just dropped to like negative. And if someone's working the job for, you know, say two years, they get bored. Why? Because of repetition. You do the same thing over and over and over and over again, 40 hours a week, 60 hours a week. And the repetitious things that you are doing, what do you want? You want to do something new, don't you? I hear it all the time. I'm that same kind of person. I like doing new things. I love, I love promotions, opportunities for cross-training. I love these kind of things. Why? Because I don't like to fall into the trap of repetition. Just doing the same thing over and over and over. You're not even thinking. You're just doing it over because it's just habit. Many times, our prayers can become repetitious. So how do we keep our prayer to remain effective? To remain exciting? How many believe that your prayer life can be exciting? Do you believe that? Or, do you, or maybe, maybe you have a view of prayer as being boring. Oh, God wants to change that. He wants to change that. Maybe you view prayer as something like, oh no, it's prayer time. Ah. Oh. 
All right, let's, let's get this over with. No. That's the exact opposite kind of attitude that you and I need to have when it comes to prayer. God wants you to be excited about it. And it, let me tell you how God is going to do that in our lives is through his word. It's through his word. God wants you to open his word and pray by reading, reading your Bible and praying at the same time. What do I mean? That means that when you, when you open your Bible, you open your Bible, and you read a verse, when you, when you open your Bible, I'm at Psalm 62, verse 1. David says, I wait quietly before the Lord, for my victory comes from him. He says, I wait quietly before the Lord. Lord, help me to remain patient. Lord, teach me patience, Lord. Help me to, to, to shut my mouth, Lord God, and to listen to your voice. And you begin to read God's word, and as you read God's word, you pray about whatever God puts on your mind when you're reading it. Whatever God is speaking to you when you read his word, the next verse, for my victory comes from him. Lord, I thank you for all the victories that I've had, Lord, and I thank you for all the victories that you are going to give me, Father. Lord God, in you, I am victorious. I'm victorious. And then you keep reading, he alone is my rock and my salvation. Lord, I thank you that you are my foundation. Lord, you, you, have, you have grounded me, Lord. Nothing is, going to, nothing is going to pull me out of your grasp. No storm that comes my way is going to take me out of your will. These things might, might try to hurt me and cause me to be discouraged. They may try to do these things, but they are not going to win. Why? Because I am victorious in you. And you, you pray as you read God's word. If you, if you read a scripture that says someone's name and, 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 and you know, someone's face pops up in your mind, you pray for them. Pray for them. You see, God is going to do this as you, as you begin to pray like that. God is going to help you to pray for things that you've never prayed for before. Why? Because before it was just repetitious. Before it was just, all right, here we go. Here's my 10-minute prayer. Oh, we have 15 minutes today? Okay, well, here's my 15-minute prayer. Oh, we're, we're doing 30 minutes? Well, here's my 30-minute version. God is going to give you new things to pray for as you read his word. God is going to have you excited about praying. He's going to have you excited about reading his word. Because now when you read God's word, you're going to stop at every sentence and pray for whatever God put on your mind at that time. And you're going to see God changing the way you pray. He's going to do it. Just open your Bible, read any verse, and you begin to pray. Prayer is effective. Number three, prayer gives us direction. See, prayer is, prayer is foundational. Without a strong foundation, a building will have issues. 
No different for you and I. If we don't pray, we're going to have serious issues. Maybe there's some things right now that you're going through, some, some, some mind battles that you're going through, but it's because you haven't sought God for direction. We need God's direction. Who do you turn to when you make decisions in your life? Who or what do you turn to? Do you, do you just lean on just your experience? You know, experience is a, is, a, is a good way to make decisions. It really is. You know, past successes, past failures, having done things before helps you to make decisions for the future in those same areas. But we're not going to have experience in every single thing that comes our way. So we need God to help us. You need God to direct you. Paul writes in Romans 8:14, and he says, "For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God." So you and I must allow the Holy Spirit to guide us. Allow the Holy Spirit. The, opp the opportunity is yours. You can say yes or you can say no. Allow the Holy Spirit to guide you in every, in every aspect of your life. If you want to know God's direction for your life, get to know God. God is the one who can reveal it, and he's the one who can fulfill it. You want God's, you want God's direction. You want God's leading. I know you do. Why? Because God's way is the best way. David writes this in Psalm 18, verse 30. He says, God is perfect in every way. You know what? So is his directing. So is his directing. Number four, prayer builds a stronger relationship with God. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. See, if we want to get to know someone, we're going to get to know them. We know how, right? It's communication. It's time with them. If you want to get to know someone, well, it's the same with God, church. You want to get to know God, spend time with him. You want to get to know God, speak to him. And let him speak to you. It is a two-way communication going on. And God is waiting to hear What's taking place in your life? Develop a strong relationship. Or developing it requires frequent communication. Open your heart to the Lord. The Bible says if that if we confess our sins, He is faithful. Say it with me. He is faithful. And He is just to forgive us. Mm. If you confess your sins to God, he is faithful and he is just. He will forgive you and I. Because that's who God is. Share your struggles. Share those challenges with him. 
Those things that, those things that, are, that are weighing you down, those things that are causing you the stress and the worry, give those to God. Share with Him what's happening. Father, Father, this is taking place in my life. Help me. Father, guide me. He's faithful. Luke 11.10, as the worship team comes forward tonight, Luke 11.10, Jesus says, For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. And he says in verse 9, he says, And so I tell you, keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. He says, keep on seeking, and you will find. He says, keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. How many of you, do you really find yourself asking the Lord? Do you really find yourself seeking Him? Do you really find yourself knocking? Father, Father, I need your help. Father, help me. Help me. How many of us are doing that? How many of us are seeking His direction? Father, help me with my decision making. Father, I have a big decision coming up, and I don't want to make the wrong one, so help me. Father, I want to stay in your will. I want to stay obedient to you. God, our gracious and loving and merciful God, will honor us. He will honor your prayers. He will honor your thirst for righteousness, your hunger for his word. And in Luke 18, 1, Jesus tells, tells his disciples, he says, always pray and never give up. Always pray and never give up. You see, church, you and I need to value prayer. Value it. Hold on to it. Don't let it go. We live in a world that has, that has let prayer go. As the body of Christ, you can't do that. You can't let go of prayer. Because the moment you let go of prayer is the moment that we no longer become effective. Is, that we no, that, is the day that we no longer have anything to offer to the world. We can't do that. We must remain a church that values prayer. Remain a church that values communion with God. That you look around you and you, and you, and you say, oh God, God, this is a, a world that needs a savior. This world needs a savior, Lord. They need you. They need you. And then you need to understand that that world is going to hear about God through you. Through you. And God is going to use your life. It's amazing. 
It's amazing how he does it, church. But it all happens when you value prayer. As every head is bowed, every eye closed.